Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's, this season's episode of the Championship Corner. I've got the man, Edward Jones, uh, founder of Beyond the Field program. Is that correct? Yes, um, yes, yes. Super pumped is, I guess, how we linked up is honestly, uh, Ryan was doing some, I guess, LinkedIn stalking and just liked your content and just loved like the message that you were putting out and totally reached out to you. And so uh, I definitely want to hear like how you got involved in that and just kind of, I want to know kind of your story um, from just a personal aspect. Um, but before then, as always, kick off the show is... Tell me, it could be from your your own athletic experience. It could be from being around a funny wild coach, um, a funny wild story from playing days, or just uh, or just being around certain programs. Yeah, this one is one that kind of shocks a lot of people because they don't necessarily believe it. But so we, um, I was at the University of Houston, and we are um, going to the Hawaii Bowl. So we're going to Hawaii. It's an eight hour flight. And literally, um, one hour, I, I was working on recruiting or helping with recruiting. He was like, hey, y'all, when y'all get there, just go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, <laughs> our head coach at the time was like, no, we were three hours behind or four hours behind Houston time. But when we landed at three o'clock in the morning, it was signing day started. And so our head coach was like, hey, let's set up signing day central. We just landed. It's tired. I mean, nobody, I didn't sleep on the plane. The plane had turbulence. I was like, my, man, my life can't end like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, we get down there and one of the coaches is pretty upset. Older coach, a veteran coach is upset about being there. And so they, him and the head coach kind of, you know, go back and forth. And I'm, I have my phone and I'm texting the group, the recruiting group, like, hey, y'all need to get down here, so-and-so, they're going at it, blah, blah, blah. So I press send, and I'm just sitting there, and our cornerbacks coach texts me, and he's like, hey, you said that to the wrong group. And I'm like, <laughs> and so I look, and I realize I sent it to the all-staff group instead of our little recruiting staff group. Oh, shit. And so at this point, I'm nervous. Things are happening. Like, I got one of our coaches calling. Like, he's, he's like, what's happening? What's going on? And so – Compliance had told us to send our uh, letters of intent that the, the athletes were signing to a certain text message. I was like, y'all, send it to the coaches group message so I can, like, you know, push it up. So I'm feeling good. Coaches are doing it. Other coaches in the room kind of like. And so I'm feeling good. I'm nervous. I'm in the back of the room. I text my wife. I'm like, I'm about to get fired. I just got on an <laughs> eight-hour eight, eight flight to Hawaii. I was like, I'm about to get back on another flight, head back home. And so everything's good till one of our coaches, like, He's like, hey, Ed, you got something you want to say? And I'm like, nah, man, it's I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, nah, man, it seems like you got something you want to say. And I'm like, nah, like I'm literally, we're like, we're in this big room. The head yeah. coach is not even paying attention to us. And I'm like, dude, chill out. Like, chill out, man. I'll give you all my per diem for like <laughs> per diem's like 400 bucks. It's like, dude, I'll give you 400 bucks to like just shut up, man. And so he keeps egging it on. He's like, no, Ed, I think you got something to say. So the head coach at this point is like, he, you know, I'm more like, hey, man, it's all good. Like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Ah, nah, man, it was a mistake, blah, blah, blah. So the head coach is like, well, what's going on? Like, at this point, because we're going back and forth, and he keeps like, no, you got something to say. And I'm like, nah. So the head coach grabs his phone. He looks at it. He scrolls up, and I'm like, ah. Like, my stomach <laughs> hits my feet. I'm like, man, this is it. My college career is done. And uh, he actually didn't, he didn't say much. He was like, yeah don't talk stuff and don't have group messages that was it and we never addressed he never addressed it again so that's my funny story yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowl, as, as we get closer to bowl games happening and ptsd I, <laughs> oh, man. I was i literally text my wife like babe i'm 
this is it. It was a good run. Yeah. I didn't go to sleep that night. Like, I was just so – and I walked around on eggshells. I was waiting for the head coach to just destroy me at some point. Um, he never did. So every meeting we went to, I was like – every staff meeting, every team meeting, I was just like, he's going to get me. This is the moment. This is the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even right before the game, he's going to be like, everybody be here. But, Ed, you got to get on a flight and go back, <laughs> go back home. So – that's my wild story. I love it. I love it. Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, let's just jump into things. And like I said, is I'm genuinely curious, uh, you know, how this journey started for you is I noticed that, and I'll, I'll let you kind of tell the story, the stories, I guess, of, of like different roles in the athletic department, obviously player development being one of them, and then kind of what you're doing now in terms of it looks like, and I, that's where I really want to, I want to understand of like, like what you're trying to do and build like within player development team. So yeah, like I'll just kind of pass the mic to you and just kind of tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So I started off as a high school coach for six years, coached at high school for six years and I had an opportunity to go to my alma mater, University of Houston, work in player development. I didn't know what player development was. I was a high school coach. My whole plan was like, I'll be a position coach in five years, a head coach in 15 and I just had this, this moment where I was looking at some former players and where they were in their life. And I remember thinking to myself, like, who's there for them? Right. Like, all this they've done for the university. We have their records up. We have their trophies up, their cleats, jerseys, all that. How do we help this person or these people? Um, and I just dove into player development. So kind of started where I, when I got hired by Coach Tom Herman's University Houston, he told me to take care of the players, get in the community, give them summer jobs. And so as it grew, I kept those three tenants, but in greater situations. So like, right. instead of taking care of the players, well, let's take care of their overall wellness. Instead of just getting in the community, let's create a community impact plan. And instead of helping our players just get summer jobs, let's give them career development, give them skills to, you know, to, to use the skills that they have from being an athlete into the corporate world. So that's how it grew. Um, really start diving in that. And then we got fired at the University of Houston with a winning record. Um, yeah, we, were, we won eight games and got fired. So apparently after we got fired, they said they would never, ever allow that again. Uh, but we got fired. And on, on the way to getting fired, Kansas called me. And they're like, hey, we heard that you're the guy. I was like, absolutely. Let me get fired first. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> so with the KU, had the opportunity to work for Coach Les Miles. And that's where it really just took off. That's where it just, they allowed me to do so much. Um, they gave me a lot of influence, had a lot of connections around the city of Lawrence and even Kansas City in, its, in itself. And so that was great. And then I finished at Baylor, went to Baylor for a year. Uh, it was good. It wasn't what I thought it would be, but I learned yeah. a lot of lessons. We won the Big 12 championship, so it was pretty cool. I came from Kansas the year before we won no games to being from being last in the Big 12 to first in the Big 12. Yeah. 11 months or so. So that was pretty cool. And then transition out of it. I I'm more like at, and let me step, take a step back while I was in at KU, I built beyond the field, just more uh-huh. like somebody mentioned it to me. They were like, Hey, you're on to something. You're doing great things. Create an LLC. So I created an LLC. Then I wrote a book Then I created a website, wrote a blog and all this stuff. Now I'm two books two courses taught live one course that is self-paced one conference and coming up on 100 podcast episodes later um so dove into that so after Baylor I really wanted to give more information from the six years I had in the space I worked for four coaches head coaches five if you count uh interim I guess I could go five if you count interim uh three universities one group of five two public one private I've seen you know well-resourced uh, football programs. I've seen programs that aren't as uh, well-resourced. I've seen it all. Yeah. And so I take all that that information, all that 
knowledge and experience I have and I provide it for others who are interested in this space because it is a very, uh, this space is vastly growing. When I first started, it was 55 people in a row, 54, excuse me. Now it's 155. So it's an increase. Oh, of yeah. I'm a player development nerd. So <laughs> um, yeah, data just, on top of data. Oh yeah. I just keep, <laughs> so it was a, it's crazy. I taught my course, my live course. And one of the students was like, every time we ask her, answer a question, you have a document or you have, I was like, I just um, stay prepared. So really helping people in this space. And I really like where I'm at. Um, maybe I'll get back with a team at some point in the future, but I really, really like helping professionals who are interested, interested in player development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So take me back. Um, Cause I know you said you came from like high school coaching and then just kind of jumped into like player development is in terms of, I guess kind of two questions was, was there a certain level of like when you were coming through, like as an athlete, like growing up certain level of like, I don't know, like pain or you felt like a void in trying to like understand, because honestly, it's like, that's where I think a lot of just athletes in general, right across the board are struggling to see beyond their, their, their sport, right? Like it's, and they think that it's kind of like this, this misunderstanding of, of like why people can't take action today, because at some level they believe they're going to live forever. Right. And they believe sports is going to like be forever. Um, So I don't know, like, was there just like, was it just, like something that you just really desire to kind of like take and run with, or was like, as you got into that role, was it like looking back and like, like, damn, like if I had known, like I experienced X amount of pain, like I don't want players. I don't want people to feel that type of pain. What was kind of like the driving motive, like at that time for you? Yeah. So it, it, it kind of looked back. I, I didn't realize I was doing player development my whole life. I've always my my purpose in life is generational impact. I've always looked out for people. So if it's my teammates, like, hey, here's I used to get in trouble for letting my teammates know to play. So our coaches would signal we had a linebacker <laughs> yeah. who couldn't read signals and they wanted the linebackers to read signals. I was playing nose guard and I would like peak and I get in trouble. I was like, coach, we gotta get the right play in it. Uh, yeah, so I always yeah. help people. And then when I was in college, I didn't play in college and career was done after high school. I remember just like seeing guys who played and like they really wanted something more than just being a football player more to their life you know they understood they had to play football during a scholarship it, it is it's part of your student athlete but they wanted to have those student experiences and so uh even looking back to when I played I would see some guys that were like oh you went to college and then they'd be back and doing stuff in the neighborhood like bro but you you went to college you play football like why, why are y'all like y'all are like legends here you know and so um I think that all that kind of when I got in a role like it's like I had one eureka moment, like all that I've yeah. ever like done in life kind of was like, oh my goodness, I've been preparing for this my entire life to help people. Um, and it's kind of based off my parents, my dad coached and my mom taught and then they worked in real estate to help people find their dream. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up around helping people find their dreams. And so um, as time got on, as, as I was starting to branch out and get, that's why I got into coaching to help people. And so it kind of all happened. I think I got a little more serious about it when I started to be like, wait, I've been doing this and like taking it to the next level. So like yeah. you said, like I would be like, Oh, you know, I need to type this up or it'd be really good if I set up a, you know, a structure. And I was like, well, why, why wait? Like just do it now. Right. And I kind of took some of the stuff I did in my past, you know, in my past life, but when I was younger and then added it to current, what I was doing currently. So hopefully that answers it, but that's kind of the area. Yeah. What was that tipping point? So 
make sure I understood correctly is, is you were kind of developing beyond like beyond the field while you were at Kansas. Correct. Is that, did I understand? That's when it took off. So like at Houston, it was more of a, um, here's a structure. Here's a, um, a blueprint, let's say. Right, right, right. Yeah. We were building the foundation. The foundation was there at Houston, but at Kansas, it was like we built the house and we added a pool. We got the gated community. Like it just, yeah, it took off, you know? So it's kind of how it happened. Yeah. And then was that because, was it a masses thing of, of like why you wanted to like branch off and kind of like do your own thing? Because obviously when you're in a university, it's like, you're kind of limited to those hundred ish, like number of athletes or players. And I guess you could maybe do the entire athletic department, like potentially, but is that was kind of like the, the, the deciding factor to be able to just like, Hey, like I'm going to go off and do this on my own. Yeah. You mentioned that it's, it's interesting because a lot of people ask me, well, why, why aren't you in a role? Why aren't you in a role? And I've, I've been called by universities, but it goes back to what you said. Like, I love doing stuff like this. I love doing podcasts. I love like, Coach is not necessarily going to allow me to do all that to where another thing, too, is why the reason why I want to help professionals is because, you know, when I got out of it, that's when the portal kind of got crazy. And so, like, you're developing, in a sense, players who that 120 is different. I wouldn't mind doing it with a team, but I like the Like you said, the masses, because now what's happening is through the content I'm sharing, be it LinkedIn, where we connected or YouTube, it's wherever. Right. I'm getting people that are students. I'm getting former guys that are currently playing football saying, this is what I want to do when I'm done. Right. I wouldn't have been able to touch if I'm working at, you know, let's say Kansas state. um, I can't, I can't have those connections. Like they can reach out to me and be like, Hey, I see you're in player development. Like, can you talk to me? Well, I would have to respond since you're a student athlete. I can't necessarily talk to you because of transfer rules. Like, you know, right. Me, it's the, like you said, it's the mat, the people I get to in contact. Like I, I talk to somebody that's in Germany, in Germany. Oh, damn. That's consuming content or Australia or like I'll look at Brazil or what. At first, I thought it was bots until I realized, <laughs> wait, you know, because it tells you who looks at your website. Yeah. Yeah. It was consistent. I was like, wait, these aren't bots. Like there's people I've seen Brazil, India, Russia, Belarus, like all these countries. And you're starting to see this. So like, I like I like that aspect. And that's why building this out and being more strategic, even going into 2024, I'm having my strategic meetings coming up here soon on how to continue to spread this. Because now, instead of just having 120, for instance, there's a guy, Mike Miller, shout out to Mike Miller. He's on um, he's on LinkedIn. He consumed the content and now he's helping all student athletes. So now. Mm. My goal is generational impact. Now I get more athletes based off the professionals or people I'm helping. Or let's say there's a player who's like, hey, this stuff he's talking about is cool. Maybe we're a a school that's not heavily resourced, the D3, NAIA, JUCO, high school, whatever. And they're like, look, I'm going to do player development stuff for my teammates. So uh, just providing that for people. Yeah. Why why do you feel like it's grown? Because when you said like 54 to 150 something now, like what – What's been the catalyst for it to have grown so much in whatever time frame? I guess it's just a handful of years since yeah, it's really years. taken off. Yeah, seven yeah, yeah. Um, number one, social media. Mm. Uh, everybody knew these stories about athletes and like how it doesn't always work out, but now it's even more prevalent, right? Yeah. Yeah, athletes calling out their schools, which I get it. You know, something I don't always agree with it. Some of my old former players have called us out and I'm like, wait a minute, I did programming. You weren't listening. I, I got the receipts. <laughs> but there are some programs that don't have it. 
The other thing I found out at Kansas, which is crazy, I was having this conversation earlier uh, today with a high school AD who I'll be doing programming with, is coaches are competitive. So when we went to the University of Kansas, they put up support staff. So player development is part of support staff. You have coaching staff who are your on the field coaches and you have support staff. Um, and so they had like Kansas had 27 support staff. The University of Texas had like 63. And so what a coach does is when they come in, they're like, okay, if Texas has 63, what do, what do they have? Okay, Texas has director of player development. I don't want a director of player development. Now, with that, the coach doesn't necessarily flesh it out. They're just like, oh, yeah, just take care of the players. That's what it sounds like. So a lot of it is that competition, but a lot of it is like they, they're starting to realize like you got to like with the transfer portal, with NIL, with all this pulling them, you need somebody that's going to help. And what the next trend that's happening in player development, which is awesome, and I probably need to do a quick podcast episode. Actually, I'll do it all <laughs> So is coaches are looking for uh, people who don't want to coach. So yeah. a lot of they put coaches there and coaches, they're going to be in the film room. Well, so-and-so wants, he's in your office, he wants to talk to you. Well, I got to watch this film with this office coordinator because he might be a head coach. I need to get a job. And so they're going to get people who just want to do it. And then the other aspect is just like I said, social media, LinkedIn, people didn't know that role was there. So in 2016, yeah. like I said, when I got interviewed, I was like, what is player development? Now, you know, I did another stat. I, so when I started, there were 89 programs that didn't have player development in 2016. I think now it's 41 that don't have it. Mm -hmm. So most of your FBS programs have it. There's a few because of resources that don't have it. And so now when people look at media guys or they look at staff because of social media and more students, because as in like, if you look at sports management programs, they're growing. When I, in 20, in 2005, when I was going, going my, doing my college tours, I want to do sports management. It wasn't a lot of schools, University yeah. of Houston, my alma mater had a program, but most people would tell you do business and then work in sports. Now there's actually sports management programs and grad degrees and doctorates and so now there's more, everybody doesn't want to be a coach. Everybody doesn't want to be an athletic director. Everybody doesn't want to be a sports agent. Well, what's this player development deal? And so as the position grows, it continues this growth. And I think, honestly, if it wasn't for NIL, NIL is probably the fastest growing position yeah. in football. But I think player development, player engagement, any development type roles, uh, student athlete development, athlete development, they are growing at a rapid, rapid rate. So when when – or maybe even prior to you getting in the field uh, because I guess I'll ask my question and then back up is I think a lot of coaches um, I come from like I owned a sports performance like facility for over a decade and the cliche of, of like we develop strong young men and women, right? Like we care about them more of an athlete was really cliche, right? Like is I would like challenge parents is like, like, don't take my word for it here. Like, I'll back it up with, like, I hire my own mentors, and my own coaches, and I had, like, a library of books behind me. It's like, I'm always, like, studying and trying to pour into me so that I can pour into you. When you were getting into the game, so to speak, of was it a little bit cliche and now it's developed into, like, more of, like, hey, like, no, we're actually going to take care of these players? Or has it always been truly about, like, the developing like beyond sports yeah definitely cliche yeah, um, yeah. And, and i think i had this conversation with somebody i was diving deep we were talking i thought about it so every coach at a press conference they're going to talk about two things mostly their culture on the field and their culture off the field every coach is going to say we're going to take care of the players we're going we're to take care we're going to make them great young men well what happened is this 
So the coaches who coach now were players at one point. If you look at the generations, okay, mm-hmm. so let's – I don't know if they – I, I know I'm a millennial. I know there's Gen Z. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. No, I follow you. But if, if you look at baby boomers, right, They a lot of those generations, they, they figured it out. So they say, hey, we're taking care of players by putting them in a position, giving them this opportunity, and they figure it out. So that is taking care of players. So those coaches that are head coaches now, they were underneath that. So it's like, well – I really got taken care of my coach. He gave me an opportunity and I figured it all out. So they say, take care of players. Same deal. Well, now with Gen Z, you have to tell them how to, like, there has to be a plan of like, no, this is literally how we're going to take care of you. And so that's where it's growing. So now coaches are like, wait a minute. Like I've had Mm. conversations with coaches where like, you know, the common sense comes up and I'm like, coach, I get it. Me and you get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. That is not common sense. Like we have to teach. And I would tell like this is a funny story. It's a crazy story, right? We had uh, this during COVID. I can't remember what school I was at. It was something happened. We had like six freshmen or six new guys added to the travel roster. And I literally in the meeting, I said, hey, do y'all think it's worth us having a meeting to kind of walk them through what the travel roster is, what they got to wear, what they got to like show up? What does this mean? What does that mean? Like just literally having a you've never done this before. And they were like, no, they can look at the itinerary. They figure it out. All right. So I'm like, all right, I, I would have had to meet, bro. So we get to the hotel. <laughs> these guys show up. They miss the time. And then they show up not dressed how they're supposed to be dressed. Right. Well, guess they're standing there looking at people like, I told y'all we needed to have this conversation with them. And now you got coaches chewing kids out. The kids are pissed now. Like, now we're late in the meeting. Everybody, now your older vets are mad when all this could have been addressed. And so it was a lesson that that's where it is now. Like now, do we, do we keep them there? No, you teach them and then you help them. But right. it's different. When I was in school, I would have figured it out. I would have grabbed an itinerary and I would ask questions. Like it's not happening without Gen Z. And so now coaches are realizing like, like we can't just haphazard, like haphazardly say we're going to take care of players and just do one program or have a former player come in and talk or, talk about life after practice. That's the big one, right? Talk about life after they're absolutely fried. They right, don't right. want to be there. Like, if you're me, you're a big guy. I don't want to be on my knee. My hamstrings <laughs> are about to pull. Like, I'm not listening to anything you're talking about. Let's just run these sprints <laughs> and get out, right? And so they're realizing they have to dedicate more time. So it's a change. It was cliche, but I think there are a lot of coaches. There's some good examples of coaches that are getting done. Now, are there still coaches who check the box? Absolutely. Yeah. But it is becoming a little more intentional over the years. So it's interesting part of that story is I think one of the things like as I've gone in and like work with teams is one of the things that like I really, really, really harp on. And I'm curious if it's kind of like an element of your program is, is the idea of I call it being like obnoxiously curious. Right. Because I think that if you study any greats at anything, especially athletics, is like they were just really, really, really curious, curious about their own potential, but also curious about like what should I wear? What time do I need to be here? Do I make sure? And so is that something that is kind of like within like what you're trying to help them understand is like, like ask the questions, like, because that's the only, like, that is the only way to get from point A to point B. Yeah. So yeah, that is, it's interesting you said that because what I do is I bring them in and that, that you have to create an atmosphere for people to ask questions. Right. Because, and that goes back to when I taught in the classroom for six years. And so I want them to ask questions like, you know, they'll come in my office and I'll say, hey, I know it's your first time. You want to come by my office before or like literally we'll get my itinerary and they'll be like, coach, well, you know, what is this? I am glad you asked. 
So if you look up here, your hotel's right here. This is your seat on your plane. This is where you need to be. So these time, the space in between, it says 1.30, the next meeting is 4.30. That is rest time. You're not going to, because they'll go to, they'll go sit there in the ballroom and be like, I'll sit here for three hours. So it's more giving questions. But one thing I learned in my program is when I speak, you stop and say, hey, did anybody need me to slow down? If anybody has any questions, let me know. So now every time they talk to me, they're like, oh, it's safe. He's safe to ask questions. He'll, he doesn't mind. It doesn't frustrate him to ask questions. And I even do it with coaches because coaches are just like, they just, it's, yes. they're athletes, right? And I'll say, coach, like I'll be doing a program. So I'm describing to the coaching staff, hey, this is what we're going to do for programming. And I'll say, hey, let me pause right there. Any coaches have any questions? Well, we have a coach who has a question. Hey, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Yeah, absolutely. So what this means is so-and-so will do this, blah, blah, blah. Once again, now another coach asks a question. And the way I get coaches to ask questions for me is I will say, even though this coach asks this question, I will use this coach's position group. So if the offensive line coach asks a question, I'm going to go to the person who's not going to ask a question. So let's say it's the ah, inside linebackers, right? Clever, so yeah. if the inside linebackers do this, then so-and-so is that. So now the inside linebackers coach is dialed in, but now he doesn't want it to be wrong because I use this position group. And so it's kind of similar. It's it's just building an opportunity or a space for people to question because it, this is the time to get it done. I don't, and I say, coaches, please ask questions. I don't want I don't want to waste any of your time. Yeah, I don't want you to get frustrated. Like I need you to know. I need all the questions asked. Same thing with the players. Players, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want you to feel like you don't know what's going on. I don't want you to get embarrassed or get you to get cussed out or whatever. And so you're getting people. You're taking the one aspect of fear away from them, like. A player is like, I, I need to know because I don't want to get cussed out, but I don't want to ask. A coach is saying, I need to know because I may get cussed out. I don't, it might be the same fear. I don't want to get cussed out. Right. Uh, and I need to know. So just taking it away. But yeah, the curiosity, like I'll literally, sometimes I'll ask position coaches like, hey, do you mind if I watch, you know, your, with your position group? They're like, why? I was like, I just want to learn, you know, ball. Like I just, and so now they see, oh, he just wants to know stuff. And so once they know that you're curious, then what they'll start doing, which is crazy, they'll start bringing like random facts to you. Like, hey, Ed, did you ever meet so-and-so? So so-and-so was talking. <laughs> it's just like, them and players. Like I had a really good conversation with one of our players. He's from the country. And I don't even know how we got on. We start talking about invasive invasive species <laughs> um, in the state of Texas. And I just, he's de- his growing up is definitely different than mine. He's right, right. Or urban. Um, but I was like, let me ask him a question. Let me let him talk because he's probably not asked this because normally he, we didn't grow up with each other. He didn't grow up like, you know what I'm saying? We didn't grow up. So I asked him and he was talking about invasive and he was talking about wild, wild boars of hogs (laughs) in the state of Texas, maybe other states, like it's open, open on them. Like there, you could just annihilate them, but they just literally. Yeah. So he was like telling me about invasive. Then I didn't know there was a website. So then we went to the website. Then he was showing me like that. There's like people are making money based off this invasive species of boars that need to get exterminated is because they're destroying farmers millions of dollars of destruction. And like people literally have created helicopter rides where you can just snipe them down. And they're like, that's I'm talking to him about it, but I'm talking to him about it, but I'm like thinking it back in my head, like maybe just maybe if we have guys who make 4.0 or whatever, maybe the players may be interested in like, it just like, just yeah. So yeah. Just yeah. Curious and finding stuff out from them. So how, I guess kind of two things is obviously how how have you been able to, especially when you were in the role, like, I mean, because connection is like everything, right? Like you have to get there, like trust is the foundation, right? Like how have you gone about, obviously you kind of mentioned some of it. And I think like 
being invested, showing up to a team meeting when you don't have to, right? Like, are there position meeting of like shows that like you, there's a certain level of care beyond like, Hey, sit in this meeting so I can tell you all this information and hopefully go out and use it. Um, so what are some of the ways that like you've strategically like built those like connections um, with the players at that time? And then now I guess really the directors, right? Like, because right. they've got to be bought in, they've got to feel a certain sense of connection with you to, to implement you know, your system, your framework. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that the one number one thing I do is how I remember people's names are hometown. So when I was in Houston, mm. I knew high schools, but I asked people hometowns because people will tell you stories and you remember stories. So I say, hey, Ryan, wh- where are you from? So, of course, because it's 120 guys and I've transitioned to two universities and yeah, yeah, yeah. start off. <laughs> so I'm starting to learn names. There's some players you can like like. Fortunately, I've played against these teams. So you're like, oh, or we recruited. Like, I remember you, we recruited you. Yeah. Um, but you remember you remember in cities or towns. So if something happens, like, hey, y'all, y'all know it's the great um cotton candy carnival in, you know, whatever Texas. And so and so then tells us about it, whatever. So I do names and cities and then okay. fighting high schools or the fight and so and so. It helps too, because like for instance, there was a, a tragic incident in one of our um players hometowns where a factory blew up and you know messed up the city and like i was like wait west texas was oh that's so-and-so he's from west so i was able to call hey is your family okay everything so that stuff goes deep uh, but it just helps me also remember where people are from so yeah. like i started a new job and i'm going around the table are you from here are you from here are you from here i live in kansas city so i ask people if they're from kansas city and then they let me know and so just it helps me remember names or different things like then i'll be like oh you if this a person says they're from chicago did you like the 85 bears or did you like the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. strike up conversation uh the other thing i did with athletes too is like i was strategic wherever they were at i was there so if they were lifting weights i wanted to be in there so mm-hmm. like, hey they especially on max day right when they're doing their max let's go let's go new max whatever or academics right i would go and walk around when they were in their um academic meetings and what I would do is like, I would go in and be like, what you learning? And because it, it did two things. It, they, they had to tell me what they were learning. So it showed because sometimes happens. Some of our um, tutors have bad experiences with athletes. So yeah. the tutor, they say that none of these athletes learn whatever. Right. So they use a whole bunch of absolutes. Well, if I go in so-and-so's deal, hey, what are you learning? And right now, coach, we read a story about of mice of men and we're working on protagonists, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. So now then I asked the tutor, is that what, what he's working on? And, and then that's like, oh, and then you get this connection. And so now I'm like, all right, well, I'm coming back tomorrow. When is he back? All right. In two days before your paper, I want you to read your paper to both of us. And so now you're creating that a, a, another uh-huh. achievement for the athlete, but you're also creating that trust with the, the tutor. And like one, it was, this is crazy. One um, player, he wasn't even one of my players, but he would always be in a tutor's room that I know. And so whenever I see him, I'll be like, what up, man? And like, we just kind of like, he was like, every time I saw him in the city, he'd be like, what up, man? Uh, and we actually ended up getting to know each other. So it's like those moments, because I think a lot of the time they're they're very intimidated because if somebody comes from the staff, it's it's bad, right? Right. It's bad. Or eating breakfast with them. Like, hey, why do you make this? Hey, y'all, y'all know he eat ketchup with his eggs? Like, and just kind of <laughs> yeah, joking yeah. and like seeing that. Or you get, people have systems. Like, I was one guy, same thing every morning. I like, they go up there, I'd be like, he wants two eggs over easy, blah, blah, Like that's like, but you get to know them. The biggest, um, you know, like you said, it's the belonging. They're like, man, somebody here knows me, you know? Yep. And yep. goes back to creating that uh, situation. Now they, they know you, then you get a random kid come in your office and 
then tell you he's got a kid and you're the second person to find out he told his grandma and told you his mama doesn't even know you're like whoa like so that's what I do just being very intentional uh, mm-hmm. I think there are four areas where players are most vulnerable that is <laughs> when they're lifting weights when they're eating breakfast getting ready and after practice and breaks during practice like they are just for some reason they just they spew and you get little notes and little nuggets or you may hey how's your day going man my my sister texts me, uh, you know, things aren't going well in school. Like, and then after practice, like, hey, you know, how, how do you feel? Do you need to come to my room, talk to your sister? Like, so stuff like that. Just being intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned, like, the the breaks in practice. Because, like, as I've gone in with teams is, like, telling coaches up front, I'm like, hey, like, if you see me having a conversation with X, Y, and Z, like, on the side, just know, like, it's it's actually, like, I'm not just, like, shooting the shit of what, what they ate for dinner last absolutely, night because absolutely. it's weird, dude. Like, totally. They, man. Ah, it's like, funny. I remember my first, like, my first year of coaching because even when I coached my position group, we had a water break and I'm like, oh, that was deep. And I realized like, <laughs> they, were like, they were like dropping like, oh, I wasn't prepared for that. So I always bring a pen and paper with me or, hey, let's talk about it after practice because, you know, some yeah. coaches, like, I've had coaches who were like, hey, Jones, kind of stay off our sidelines. I'm like, guys, I was a coach. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm just like, all right, whatever. So, yeah. 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 That's funny. So our, um, this is probably like kind of, kind of an ignorant question. Um, (laughs) is it beyond football? Cause wrestling's my background. And obviously like we didn't have, like I went to WVU. It's like, we didn't have like on the wrestling staff, like player development. Is that role right now just predominantly football or does it expand beyond that? Yeah, so currently, currently, the strongest area of this is FBS, Division One mm-hmm. college football. That's the strongest area. The NFL has one for every team based off a collective bargaining agreement. And then the owner decides they want an extra one. Um, it was pretty cool when I was at Baylor. Uh, we had one for women's basketball, softball, and soccer, and I was kind of training them. Yeah, It is growing. Um, I think what's going to happen in the next couple of years, like, so – like let's say you know you said WVU, there's a student athlete development department where there's people who work with all athletes. Uh-huh. But the thing about player development is you get all you get all access to that team. Like in some yeah. cases, you can see a kid from when you recruit them to 15 to when they graduate 22. So you get seven years of sowing seeds, right? And so what I think is going to happen is like, for instance, West Virginia has a student athlete development department. I think what they're going to do is they're going to start breaking out and say, hey. You and you so so and, and by WVU you mean West Virginia, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. I just want to make sure, make sure. <laughs> um, um, but you you have wrestling during this season, and then the next semester you have this, or just stick with wrestling. Because I think it's, I mean, I love those who do student athlete development, but I tell them all the time, there's nothing like that everyday access to the, the relationships you build, right. the impact you're able to see. And so it is getting beyond um football. So for me personally, when I first started branching out, I wanted to cover every sport. And what I yeah. realized is, and I'm not equating myself to Michael Jordan, but I was watching a football game and I was like, Michael Jordan's basketball, like slam dunk is on a football jersey. Like he never was like, hey, I want to get a football jersey. He just was great at what he did. Right. And so I was like, okay, let me stick to what I know, which is football. But mm-hmm. if anybody from, let's say a wrestling head coach reaches out, it's, a, it's 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 coaching right it's right, building right. The, the programs work all i would need to know is what does your schedule look like okay right. awesome you figure that out but even today i had a conversation with a high school athletic director and he was like you know can this happen for the sports and i had to show him through like hey here's this is customizable and every coach is going to know their schedule best 
but it's really just creating that framework. So it is going to grow and I'm excited because I've seen it, you know, I've, there's baseball it is baseball has mental performance, mm-hmm. a lot of performance directors, but then there's like off the field, like where, you know, and so I'm still, the title is still kind of weird there. Basketball, NBA. I know someone with the Raptors and the NBA, there's a few NBA teams that are doing it. I know the uh, players associations have some people in that role that represent from a league standpoint, but it's pretty awesome seeing it on the team side. So, yeah. Yeah. From a professional sport, what is it more setting them up? Like once pro sports ends, just kind of yeah. like pro- it's stepping stones or when that time comes. Absolutely. It's very, very similar um, on the pro sports level. Uh, it's just the people, they say the transition is unreal. Like you could be like, Hey, I had a guy who worked for an NFL team and he was telling me, he's like, man, sometimes I envy you college guys because you guys legit at this time, we were able to do like four years before the portal. Um, and he was like, you get to like literally see people grow. He's like, when today I told a guy like, Hey, we're going to work on your resume tomorrow. Awesome. Guy was cut two hours later. Damn. Uh, but yeah. And so what I also found out the major difference on the pro level is you're setting up that entire family. So yeah. college level, I'm setting up the athlete. But on a pro level, it's the athlete, the significant other, whoever that is, maybe the kids, here's a school. And so it's a deeper dive, um, but they're doing it well, too. There's a lot of people doing great stuff on the um, professional um, space as far as athlete development is concerned. So you brought up like number of. So are you building the connection when they're being recruited or is it once they get on campus? It is when they're being recruited. And Damn. This is, yeah, it's crazy. So. This is this is what blows people uh, away. So when I used to give my player development presentations, the people who paid the most attention in the rooms weren't the parents. It was the players. And I would say I would end the presentation, say, hey, if you come here or not, you better make sure wherever you go, somebody is taking care of you when this ball ends. And so I never said hey, only three percent of you all make it to the league. I always said when your career is over, because a career could be over. Like there was a guy in Kansas. He played for the Oilers. I met him, his hand, he had a freak hand injury. You know, everybody thinks yeah. he had knees. He just had a freak nerve. He was, a, so he couldn't catch anymore. Like it was, you know, you just never know when your career is over. Um, and so that's what I use, but they, they're locked in. And so from 15, like we even use it. I, I, I used to try and tell coaches, like we did it once and it, and it worked. Um, like, hey coach, I can create, when you go talk to mom and dad, I can create a like a script of like, hey, this is how you recruit this to this player. Where we have former players, what we're gonna do, we have a whole game plan. And so we introduce it to them when they're young. They're very, very young. I'm talking to parents at camps. Hey, you know, because they'll ask, like, so what do you do? And I'm telling them 15 year olds, I help you off the field. If you come here, there's certain things you want to do in life outside of this stadium, outside of athletics. When you wear normal clothes, I help you when you wear normal clothes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have, is there seasons within the season for you? Like, do you have times where like, you're like, go, go, go with the players. And then there's times kind of a little more like back off and like, where, like, when do those season seasons within the Absolutely. season, like what's prime time? Prime time is summer, summer programming. Yeah. So in college football, when they change the rule, they, they have to take three hours, uh, a three hour class and that's it. And they can work out. So all they're doing is class workout and seven on seven. And so that is prime time because the coaches are coaches are on vacation. Yeah. We got camps like the schedule is a little more more free. And so I would always do summer program, June and July, maybe get one in in May if possible before they leave and come back. 
But June and July is like our Super Bowl. That's player development Super Bowl. Like that's when I'm watching people's programs, encouraging them. They're calling me about, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? Uh, and then the two times that I do not, I they're like the restricted zones for me. The only t- the only way I do something is if the head coach has said he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. And they're the two times that players compete for positions, which is spring football and fall camp. That's when they're competing for positions. I I leave it alone. I'm there to support. Um, the only thing we ever did during fall camp is like our uh, at the University of Houston, Tom Herman wanted the freshmen to help other freshmen move into their dorms. Okay, that's something. It's on campus. You know, it's down the street. It's it's good for our players. But if he was like, hey, what do you want to do? I'd be like, look, coach, I, unless it's like we did one in Houston as elementary down the street. We were there for the first day. We gave high fives and we were back to camp, you know, but I try those two areas when they're competing because it's just coaches are tight during those two times. Yeah. So they kind of, they kind of yeah. read the room. Yeah. yeah. So when you were at Baylor, did you you said you worked with women's basketball? So I work with so they hired a assistant AD for player development, which is what I was doing. And I work with her on, you know, some things and her, the biggest thing, and that's why I love player development. It is so customizable to what you need. Their biggest thing was they were trying to uh, create some alumni engagement, re reengage alumni. So I was like, Hey, here's some things you do. Here's some programming. She had a great program and we talked about other stuff. So I was able to kind of flesh out some programming with her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I, I was going to ask, do you find drastic difference in male to female? In so, terms of development. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes with what well, I don't know if there's any studies, but you know, growing up I always heard girls a little more mature before guys mature. <laughs> Ain't that the damn uh, truth? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, I don't know if it's studies, but I yeah, yeah, yeah. thought and so that uh they come in a little more um geared towards it. And it's also because if you look at their their pro sports aren't as yeah um there's not as much generational money in their pro sports. Right. right. And so they're more geared towards how do I, you know, it's a great experience. How do I capitalize on all this? Especially now NIL, if you look at, I, I told people this all, I kept saying this when NIL came out, I kept saying, everybody's talking about football. I said that people who are going to rule NIL are your women athletes. Women. And that's what's happening. It's, it's, it was bound to happen for a multitude of reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, they they are uh, they are ahead of the game more. They're more geared toward. They understand this is gonna probably end sooner than I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they they're more prepared to uh, <laughs> to be like, nah, let, what, y'all gotta help me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say is people have asked me. They're like, hey, do you like do you find a difference between me? I'm like, yeah. Let me let me give it to you in a comical way. On <laughs> working with female athletes, I'm like. Wait, you've never missed a class? And then the male athletes, I'm like, can you get your ass to class? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that is like, I mean, it is night and day. Like even seeing, I had a um, my intern at Kansas. Uh, she did a great job. And you see her compared to other interns. I'm like, man, it's not even close. Like it's not <laughs> even like, I didn't have to have the conversations about professionalism, communication, showing up. Like yeah. it was more like high level. Like it got to a point where, some of our staff members didn't even know she was a student. They were like, wait, you don't, you're not full time. Like, yeah. I was like, She's a student. like, you know, so it's just it's the common sense things. Like yeah. what you wear matters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't show up in sweatpants, please. <laughs> yeah. It, was like, it got to a point where like, it was funny because during COVID I had requested, they said no interns could be in the building. So I was like, Hey, I need help. 
And our AD was like, oh, yeah, she she's awesome. We'll clear her. So then other people in other departments were like, well, hey, what about our interns? You're like, nah, we ain't got space for them. Y'all close <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, um, all right. So I guess like a personal question, where does like, like, where does all your care come from? Like care for people, care for yeah. like, like, I don't know another way to put it. Like just like it, throughout our conversation in 40, 45 minutes, like so far, it's like, there's definitely like a sense of like authenticity, very genuine of, of like, Hey, I'm onto something from a business standpoint and I can probably make some money and make a living and take care of my family, like doing this. But also it's like, there's a very, like, it's not just about that. Right. Like it's very, like, I, I actually genuinely like want to help people. Um, like, where do you feel like that comes from? Yeah, it's uh, growing up, my parents, I'm thankful, had an opportunity to have two-parent household. My dad is an uh, Air Force veteran. Um, my mom, like I said, she did great in school. Uh, they they didn't play. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, <laughs> my friends thought we were in a military family, like he was still in the military. Um, but that, 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 it was just very, very like cognizant of your actions. And then faith. Um, like a real true, like honest, like, no, we don't just go and say we go like we're Christians. Yeah. Just say we're there and then like live or like people are like, oh, I don't see that. But like being like truly like, hey, what does it look like to be Christ? Like that was one. And then uh, the third thing would be the third act, uh, factor is I'm a it's I have five brothers, four brothers and sisters and so my older brother seven years older than me. And then it's four of us that are two years apart. Like I was 86, 88, 90, 91. So we're all close. And having to be like that sacrificial of like, I got brothers and sisters. Like, you yeah. know, mom, you don't have to buy me that shoe if they need to. Like, I just need a shoe. A shoe's a shoe. And so it's kind of just been that. And then even like um, my name, I was researching my name. It means like rich friend, but not from a materialistic ah. standpoint. But it's like a rich friend like a rich um giver or richness so it's just I don't know I just think about it because I there are certain things I'm like man I I think authenticity and genuineness should just happen and I meet people and I'm like oh it's, this is not, it's like, not no it's really yeah, not it, right yeah, like, and, it's, and it's it's tough for me because like you said there are certain things like people will tell me like hey you should do this you should do this and I'm like that's not but that's not that's not right or you should partner with this person like, but that's not like, the mission is helping others and so I've just been thankful for that. Like sometimes do I think back on certain situations like, ah, I probably could have looked out for myself a little more or maybe I should have addressed or stood up for myself more. Yes. Um, but it's just kind of how I've been my whole life. I just like people. I like seeing people do well. And I think it's a lot with great, like now I won't say I would definitely didn't raise them, but it's like, I look back when I, when we talked about earlier, me looking back at my life, like in summer school, I got like, when we were in summer, we didn't go to summer school. And so I would literally teach my brothers and sisters. I was the principal. I was the teacher. I graded yeah. papers. Like, it was crazy. Like, I set up this whole school system inside of our home. Um, but I just, just growing up like that, I'm just very thankful for my upbringing. My parents, they were very, they came from big families. And so it was very, it's never, it was never you, you, you. It was, you are a part of a team. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about like the faith side of things, yeah. because even like you said is like, I enjoy like kind of those kind of conversations too, of like you said, is like, you feel like a lot of people would just naturally be genuine. And yeah. I think that 
do you find that even in your faith, your religion, your spirituality that like, this is what like you're harping on. You're like, like, I'm actually like, I, I'm not just like a Sunday goer. Like I actually like live this. Like I actually like, this is something that like is deeply like ingrained in like who I am. And do you feel like a lot of like, that's very, do you feel that it's very misconstrued today? Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up in the church and so i I was never one of those people that was like, hey, Jesus love, I, I'm a Jesus follower, right? I just, because I saw people do that and then you see their life and you're like, it just, even at a young age, it's like, wait, this doesn't weigh out, right? And so it really, really hit me when I went into, like when Twitter came out and these coaches would be like, Christ follower, you know, or follower yeah, of Jesus, like yeah. all this. And then you meet and be like, yo, like now nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, but there's like, to me, there's a standard of, it, it goes back to coaching. We know these players aren't perfect, but we're going to push them to be as perfect as possible. And mm -hmm. by their actions, if they don't get it, we're moving on. And so like, for me, it is a misconstrued because it's so easy to just say label I'm this. And if you see yeah. someone, you're like, you're so hateful, like you're yeah. so hateful, like, or you don't treat people well, you're a manipulator or you're a womanizer. Like, it's like, there, there can't be two, right? It's just like, I can't say I'm a power lifter or I'm Mr. Universe and just eat donuts and Twinkies all day. You right, would, right. <laughs> it's crazy to me because nobody would get a personal trainer, right? And that they feel like wouldn't help them get to a place like you have to, you can't look like me and personal train me. Now, are there strength coaches in football? Yeah, that's different. That's strength. But I'm talking about like, I'm done playing and I need, I want a chisel body. I need to see right. body, right? And it's crazy that in every other thing we not necessarily judge, but we look at the fruit of someone's actions. And there we're just like, oh, so-and-so is a good person. I'm like, no, they're actually not. Like, yeah. So-and-so is, he's a jerk, you know, or she's a jerk. Um, So for me, like when I read, like I, I want to separate myself, and it's tough because I want to have grace and be loved, but I want to separate myself from that, that group so much uh, because it's such a, it's just bad. Like people are leaving faith, not because of what, what's in the Bible. It's literally how people live their lives. And so for me, when I read the Bible, it's, I read his action. So like I write on the side, action, action, like this is an action. This is not a wish or like, oh, this, this is memory verse. It's literally an action, just like a coach would give a game plan. Like, hey, mm. on this play, you have to do this. Not like, hey, I hope you do this. No, this is literally an action. And by doing this play, you will show that you're a defensive lineman for our defense, right? So that's kind of how uh, I see it, because it's just. I feel like it's a safety net for a lot of people to oh, like put, put like, you know, like put in their Instagram profile, their LinkedIn, yeah. like whatever it is, is like like Christ follower. And I don't know, I actually long time ago and on, I don't even remember. I had a buddy one time, he's getting a tattoo and he got it like a cross tattoo. And I was like, like why are you? Because he wasn't like a big church goer and I mean I'm who's who am I to judge but I asked like why are you getting across and it's something along the lines I'm paraphrasing but it's like like you can't make somebody with fun you can't make fun of somebody like with a cross tattoo this is essentially like what the reason was right and I was just like mm -hmm, I don't really know like <laughs> I don't that's a really good reason to get a tattoo <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting because when I went to Baylor University which is a faith-based university I was like yo this is eye-opening like yo now there are people there who live what they say but like i would literally be like yo how did you going back to the labeling part you said like there was this like if you want a job here you have to have this 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 in regards to faith 
And you're like, how did this person get this job? Did they just say check mark Christian? You're like, oh, yeah. perfect. Like, it's just like, yo, this person, this person is worse than the person I work with at a university who just is like, you know, I got more respect for him because he's just a he's an a-hole. He lets you know. I I just respect people. People don't like it when I say that, but I have more respect for a guy who's a jerk who tells you he's a jerk and isn't trying to fake and like I do like well man he cusses everybody out well you knew that like he's not yeah I, I mean if you got cussed out by him you you probably earned it like you know what like rather than like because it's this is crazy and I've had better conversations and people who are like look I don't like they're so much like maybe because I heard or they just want to make man look I'm gonna do so much stuff crazy stuff that you're not gonna come talk to me and I actually have best relationships with them because it's just like you're the most genuine person in here like even though you are I would never hang out with you outside of this setting but here like you are just I know when I talk to you you're just real like you know so yeah that level of like honesty right like but again like that's like connection 101 right like it takes a certain right. level of like like honesty and it's like like this is who i am versus yeah like i feel like so many people of the it was so easy to to fake who we are absolutely. now absolutely. like it's oh, like absolutely it, it's, because it, you yeah. can put out you can put um you know pictures you can put whatever you want the post the music all that right it's just like i literally would sit there and watch Coaches in their office, office, just like tweet this out, and you're like, "Man, that dude is." <laughs> yeah, but that's where it's like I think is people wonder because there's this balance of of like, especially like in the coaching world, is is like, do you want like, would you rather go to the asshole coach or like the the super sweet, the kind of more yeah. the players coach, as I guess is. And I was like, well, like really depends on the end goal. But like most people, it's like, you can't, I personally say it's like, you can't look at the asshole coach wrong. As long as they're honest up front, it's like, look, this is how I'm going to be. Like, if you want to get from point A to point B, like, this is my framework. This is how I'm going to go about it. Like, I'm going to ride you. I'm going to be on you. I'm going to cuss you out. Like whatever the nine is versus like, Hey, come to our school and take all the photos. We got the barbershops, but they're like, wow, why is everybody's cussing me out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, it's crazy because like I'll use two stories. So going back to what you said, like I don't, my profiles don't, I just, cause I've seen so many people do it. One of the greatest honors I got was, and we actually worked together. This was when I was at KU, this guy who worked in a seminary, he does like, like religion and sports and it's pretty, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool how he does it. And he just randomly DM me. He was like, Hey man, I don't know if I'm missing it, but based off your content and how you just uplift people, like I'm going to say that you're a Christian. And I was like, you know what? I got texted back like, this is like, I, I, I you are, this is what I'll talk. I want my actions to show. So that was pretty cool. And we actually got a chance to work at Baylor and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Because even when that situation happened, that situation wasn't great how it happened, but like people couldn't even admit that it was, what happened was wrong. Like they were just like, well, you know, I'm just like, dude, it's wrong. Like, it's okay. I'm not telling you to, to lose your job. You can just say that the way you were treated was wrong. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. Right. And I, I wasn't going around like, Hey, say it's wrong, but I'm talking conversations like, you know, you know, there are seasons in life. No, this was wrong. Like, this is wrong what happened. Yeah. Really, right. But going back to what you said about coaches. So during 2020, when there was a whole bunch of social unrest and, you know, a lot of racial, it was just a lot. Right. So our players had a player team meeting. Right. And so they wanted the coaches, one of the players, like, no, we want to hear the coaches talking. I was like, ooh, this is going to be, <laughs> I was more like, oh, this could get, we might lose the team here. Right. 
So we had two coaches that got up and were like, guys, I love you. I love you more than my kids. I, I love you. And they were reading the BS. We had a coach who got up there and he literally said, guys, I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm white male. I struggle with this because everybody in my family works in law enforcement except for me. And so I see good cops. With that said, I do understand that there's something wrong. And I see that you all are hurting. And it's going to take time for me to understand. Because like I said, my whole life has been mm -hmm. good cops. And he said, I'm here for you. I want to talk to you. I want to learn. I want to be here to support you as you all go through this. And it was it, like, I, I was talking to one person on staff. I said, I want to go talk to him. Yeah. Like, because that was real. And so I went in his office and I said, hey, coach, like, I just want to tell you that was, I appreciate you. You kept it real. You didn't lie. You had your experiences. He was like, man, I, I don't love those guys more than I love my kids. That's, that's outrageous. I was like, he was like, do you yeah. love your kids? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and so like, but what happened was like, you saw this coach who from like North, like the, the, the Dakotas, the Montanas. Yeah. Who, you know, may not have been around, but he he grew. He started yeah. talking to the player, the players that are difficult to talk to, right? And then, like, one thing I saw, one of our players was frustrated, and uh, I was just watching. I talked to him, and the kid was mad. We got out of film, and he missed the sub sandwich. And I get it. Everybody, there were guys taking more sandwiches, whatever, staff. Like, right. Wait till the players are done. But anyway, <laughs> so the kid's, like, losing it in, in the – but he's young. He's 17, 18 years old. He's losing it in front of the uh, – facility and that same coach walks outside he talks to him rather than going out there hey you know you jagaloon blah 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 blah. he goes up to him he talks to him gives him his sandwich walks in gets some chips gives him a hug he walks out and it was just like that is being genuine now this this kid respected him because the kid heard him say he was just genuine he's like guys there's stuff going on wrong, but I, I literally, I, all I know is good cops. I've been raised around good cops my entire yeah. life. Yeah. And it was just that me and him are like friends. I actually saw him at, I went to the game. I saw him this past week and we joke around, but like, like it was just like, I, we, we became close. Cause it was just like, once again, like he was just real, like, this is real. I know you all are hurting. This is where I'm at. Let's all walk in this together. You know? Perspective. Yeah. I think that a lot of people struggle to, Again, it, it kind of goes back to like something that you're not like if you're raised a certain way, you have a very you have a very certain perspective on like how the world works. Right. The way Absolutely. that you perceive the world is just like because as you and I, do you have kids? I don't know. Do you? I do. I do. I okay, do. Yeah. OK, so it's like as you raise I have, I have a daughter as well. It's like as you raise them is like how they're going to see the world is based off of like the environment that I create. Right. Good, bad, right, wrong. It's just, it just right. is, right? And so I think as we get, that's where curiosity, right? Like really comes into play because it's like, hey, it's like, this is how I was raised. And so like this, I've seen the world for 25 years like this, like help me understand like just a different perspective. Maybe I agree, maybe I disagree, but I think that's where like going in, you talk about like, developing players, developing humans is, is that's like the message that I give so many like of the kids too is like, like, I'm just going to challenge you of like why you believe what you believe. Right. I work with a lot of people that are deeply involved in your faith. And I'm like, well, if I ask you like why you believe you 
God or like why you're a Christian. If you say that's, that's the way I was raised. I'm like, that's a terrible answer, right? Like just because of like, well, that's just how I was raised. It's like, like you haven't like dug deep and like truly understood like the meaning of like what it actually means to live like that or like whatever your beliefs are, right? I think that's just an extreme example. Um, so yeah, it's like, I think, I think a lot of people make the mistake too of they don't allow people to be vulnerable because they try to um, uh, like a one coach show how awesome that they are. Right. Is I watch so many people come in kind of in my industry. It's like, Oh, this is how many teams, how many national championship teams I've worked with. And this is what I did as a college athlete. I'm like, they don't give a shit. They just don't. Right. They're like, care. Bro, you wrestled in 2006. Like yeah. it's 2023, man. Like get a life. Ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a life. Um, it's the versus... Mike Tomlin quote. We do not care. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's why I asked you earlier. I was like, was there, was there, because I got into it, right. There was amount of pain that I went through to help like, man, like I never want people to feel that pain. So I'm curious of like, was there pain? Was there pleasure? Like, how did you get to this point of, of like creating this journey for so many people? Um, yeah, that's my tan, that's my soapbox for the day. But I, I feel like yeah. creating that platform of vulnerability so that people can understand and see different perspectives versus Ooh that's just the way I was raised or that's what I've always been taught. So. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's like comical. Like for instance, I was talking about this yesterday, you know, we're sitting there recruiting and the coach is like, Oh, this kid scored low on his tests, like his intelligence uh, test taking has nothing to do with intelligence though. Right. My wife is a genius and I'm a test taker. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you literally know yeah. the content. I'm just, I'm just, it doesn't, it doesn't, Shake me once I understand what the questions are asking. I just know what questions are asking. I understand what tests are. And that that has nothing to do with intelligence. She is brilliant. And I'm just, I could it'll yeah. take her a month to study. Give me two days and give yeah. me what the test will be like. I'm done. It's a wrap. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, there was a lot of I mean, yeah, especially coming into college with like ACT and SAT oh, and all that. Like it's yeah. like I saw kids, even like when I was coming through high school, people making I'm like. You made what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've seen people score 1,500. I'm in class with them like, he got a 1,500? Like, this dude can't even get, you know, we, we, he ain't even, we yeah. can't even figure out the war of 1812. So, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, shoot, man. Well, cool, man. Like, I've appreciated it. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I always kind of end ask, like, if there's, if you were in front of an, if you were in the middle of a stadium of a hundred thousand people and you could only like give, deliver like one core message to the world, like what would that be? Yeah. For me, it's, it's generational impact. Take action today to help the generation behind you. I mean, I just, I can't say that enough um, because so many people talk about, oh, this generation this and this generation that and this person's this and that person on the other side of the city does this and that person in the country thinks that. Like, okay, well, let's make a step to make sure mm. we can help that person. So that's my biggest thing is just take one action to help somebody else. And that could be, like you said, learning about something. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's why this person may make that decision. Or if it's spending time and, you know, mentoring somebody that doesn't look like you or makes you uncomfortable or is younger than you or, you know, won't play golf with you. We may want yeah. to go bring a coffee, whatever, right? 
Um, but just taking action to help the next generation because all it takes one action is like it's, to me it's like throwing a stone in the water. Boom! That one action ripple, 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 ripple effect. So yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and uh, maybe we'll circle back, have another conversation again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, appreciate. Y'all go check it. out Beyond the Field. <laughs> Peace.